Hey, 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 Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 346. I hope you are keeping well and safe wherever you are, whatever you're up to. hope you are having a cracking week and that you've managed to all do something Doctor Who, Doctor Who. related. Related. Indeedy. Welcome to 346, another week, another Big Blue Box episode. Make sure you're following the podcast on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode when it lands every single Friday. Uh, you can also listen for free over on the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk go and listen over there plus check out the reviews and articles from the writing team jordan maria mark matt harry go and check them all out some great stuff over there we're also on the socials instagram twitter and facebook there are links on the website we chat doctor who throughout the week and we have a free discord server as well again there's a link on the uh on your website come and hop in there and chat some doctor who with other like-minded Who fans, and remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, got a YouTube channel. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> that sounds like such a dated thing now, doesn't it? YouTube. Bit. Yeah. It's not cool anymore, is it? But I'm on there. <laughs> Lots of good Doctor Who vids. Of course it I? is, dude. You're part of the cool club still. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think TikTok's the new thing, isn't it? You reckon? All on, they're all on TikTok. You've yeah. mentioned that quite a few times, dude. Just jump in and, and do it. I can't. Just, <laughs> and so one of my work colleagues showed me how to use it. And it was enough to put me off. I was just like, you do this and you have to film 10 clips. Oh, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I'll end up on it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. Blue box. Has Blue Box not got a TikTok? We don't no, TikTok. no. Are you resisting as well? Well, it's when just Because we're, we're off to the BFI on Sunday, we can get smashed and and, and set up a TikTok. That'll be fun. <laughs> Do you know what, dude? It's just time. That's all it is. Yeah. If I had more time, if the Big Blue Box podcast was a full-time job, then of course mm. we'd live on TikTok and all that. Yeah. But no, alas, not enough time. So that's the uh, that's the housekeeping out of the way. The to do list done, checked off. Go and do that stuff. No more rumours though this week about uh, new casting people. Oh, I look forward to this every week of some really random name being thrown in the mix. Yeah, Ben Shepherd is the new Doctor. <laughs> I mean, nobody this week. No. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, it's just as we ramp up. It this normally the the rumours about the the next Doctor normally ramps up you normally get lots of names uh thrown around but yeah i don't know it just doesn't seem to be it's a very quiet week for that stuff well it makes a change actually because it's getting a bit some of them are just ludicrous getting a bit boring isn't ludicrous it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean we have had some clangers haven't we let's be honest yeah let's be honest but uh yeah no rumors on that stuff dude but uh we did have a new trailer drop for legends of the sea devils what do you think of that mm yeah, it's a good trailer, wasn't it? Actually, um, I thought it was a really good trailer. Uh, looks like the they've spent a bit of money on a lot of CGI in the trailer. I, I notice. Um, looks like it's going to be fun. Looks like it's going to be a fun app. I think. I think put e- Easter Sunday. I think it's the perfect day for a swashbuckling sea devil adventure as well. I don't know about you. It just feels Easter Sunday feels like the perfect day to to air it. So, and I think it's. Is it seven o'clock or ten past seven or something like that? Yes, yeah, I think so. That it's going out, mm-hmm. so that's a good time as well because 
couple of the other ones have been on at like six or earlier and they've been you know i think seven's good you just about had your dinner by then and you're settling down to watch a bit of tv so it's a good day to watch it it's a good time to watch it trailer looks fun uh if a little cringe i mean you know my critical (laughs) head was a little bit oh it looks a bit cringe in places already but i'm gonna go with it's gonna be a fun episode um but of course as soon as i heard it was only 47 minutes i decided not to bother watching it (laughs) through but no i didn't really but there's there's a lot of i didn't (laughs) but there's a lot of um a lot of fans absolutely distraught that it's 10 minutes shorter than they thought it was going to be because you know it's been billed as a special and i think we all assumed it'd be an hour and it's actually 47 minutes um so it's a little bit under the the runtime uh, uh personally i'm not bothered at all to be honest but i i can see why people are a bit miffed by that but what do you think 47 minutes special um i mean it was it was thrown in sort of the last minute wasn't it and the, to me there's still this confusion was this supposed to be the last jody episode or was the centenary special Jodie's last, and this was the bonus one that they've sort of thrown in at the last minute. I'm I'm very confused, but yeah, yeah, that I'm could not be sure. why it's short. I think, yeah, I think it was. I think this was meant to be Jodie's last one. I think. I think right. we had this discussion last week. We, we couldn't remember then either. Not not surprisingly, but I think this was meant to be Jodie's last one, and then the whole centenary thing with the BBC uh, threw the spanner in that. And now this is the penultimate one. But so it could uh, just be that yeah. he's chopped off the regen then. He's chopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just yeah. stuck it on the end of the centenary one. Well, Chibbers, the episode is good. Why don't we keep it? We just lop off the uh, the regen at the end. And pad it out mm. a bit. Mm. Well, can't pad it out too much. Why don't Why don't we just knock ten minutes off the runtime then? Yeah, go on then. That's a good compromise. Go on then. <laughs> it's going to be very random when you see a sea devil in the background of a story that's totally nothing to do with them in the centenary. Like Jenny starts regenerating, you're like, is that a sea devil in the background? What's that doing there? <laughs> is that doing there? Yeah. But what, the but what did you think of the What do you think of the trailer? Think it's good. Uh, trailer's get, pretty you, good. Get you excited? Yeah. Um, it did a little bit actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. um, yeah. It did get the old. Uh, it did get the old uh, uh, inquisitive mind brain cells uh, rocking a little bit because um yeah i mean this is probably going to annoy jody fans even more a little bit with this but i'm not really too fussed about what's going to happen with the doctor and and yaz in this particular episode anyway mm. i'm just more looking forward to how they've how they treat the the sea devils you know how they yeah because it's obviously a bit of a, a jack sparrow uh mm. pirates of the caribbean sort of jobby with this which you can tell with the um you know, with the whole skull and crossbones esque type of thing on the flag with the sea devils and yeah and all that. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it just to see how they how they do that because the 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 sea devils are a sort of a rare um what's the word sort of a rare classic excuse the pun where um they appeared in a belter of an episode back in the day obviously but they've not been overused so this is the first time that they've, we've really had a good a good look into what's what a modern writer is going to do with them. So I'm more intrigued from that perspective rather than what the doctor's going to be up to, which rightly or wrongly, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, now I sort of echo that. I mean, somebody was saying, 
I can't think of it was, but I agreed with it that it's funny how like you get monsters like the Sea Devil that have hardly really been in the show, and yet they're so well known. Mm. And uh, it made me think of the Zygons before they were brought back because they were such a well known monster, and yet they were uh, for a long time were only in one story, you know, from the Tom Baker era in the seventies. So it's strange, isn't it, how some monsters are so good. Mm-hmm. That even just by having one or maybe two appearances, Warriors of Deep and Sea Devils, or were they in the Silurians? I can't remember. Um, they were in. Oh my, my my mind has melted over the years. But anyway, they've not been yeah. around much. And um, so yeah, I, I really hope it does them justice. I think that's the only thing I'm really worried about. Really, is that they're the Sea Devils are decent in it because I really love the Sea Devils mm-hmm. um, as a story. You know, I think it's a great, it's one of my favourite Third Doctor stories. Uh, I mean, the trailer, it, it kind of is exactly what I'd expect. You've got Jodie Gorping and she makes the odd humorous remark and, you know, there's a lot of, it looks, as I said, it looks like it's going to be fun, but it's kind of, this, it's what I'd expect from this era. It's exactly what we've seen before. And in terms of the writing style, you can already tell what it's going to be like, I think. Mm-hmm. But it is exciting that the Sea Devils are thrown in, and, and that's the thing I'm excited for more than anything. Um, so, yeah, I just hope they're treated decently and they get a decent story. I think that's the, the thing that's slightly worrying me, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to come out of it saying, oh, well, the sea, you know, if nothing else, oh, the Sea Devils were cool in that. And, and I do like the redesign or the slight tweak that they've had. I think they look pretty cool mm. on screen from what I've seen. So, yeah, it looks yeah. promising. It does, actually, yeah. It does look mm. promising. So we'll see, as always. We'll see what the Chibinator has done with uh, with this. It's always a bit of a... a, bit of a and sort of sweaty bum time, isn't it? When you have a modern writer that's picked up a classic, such mm. a, such a well loved and well liked classic um, alien or monster, and has planted it in, in modern Who. And uh, yeah, because I guess there's just that little bit of added pressure that comes with it, because you're not just you're not just trying to write a good Doctor Who story. You're you're also trying to carry that bit of fan fandom love with it along the way so there's a little yeah. bit of a oh you know we don't want to screw this up um so yeah uh, is it co-written with someone this one it's not just chippers is it i think this one has he had a co-writer um or, or is it just him i can't remember i had a I, feeling he'd co-written this one i can't remember i can't remember um, he might no. have done yeah he which is done. uh probably good i I, th- I find the episodes where he co-writes with someone normally are a bit better so yeah yeah I, I think so well we had that with um with the last series didn't we oh, sorry um with series uh with flux 12 oh 12 as well but yeah flux the angel one was written with somebody else and that's probably the standout episode from flux wasn't oh it? of course yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah you're right yeah the one where you coat yeah that was one of the better ones. yes right yeah yeah yes okay so <laughs> easter sunday you'll be watching live will you or have you got Family stuff. You're going to be watching this one live. Um, I will probably watch it live, or I'll watch it a bit later on in the evening. I don't know yet. Mm. I'm not yeah. sure. I, I want to watch it live, um, but that is the only other thing. I might also be at my parents. <laughs> it depends, but I'll ah. definitely be trying to watch it live. I always prefer that because um, you know you sort of feel like you're watching it with people. If that makes sense, when it mm. goes out, you're like, uh, you know, everyone else is sat down to watch it at the same time, but. Um, like a virtual fandom room, but um, and also you don't want to see spoilers afterwards as, as well. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to try and watch this live. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. 
Have you been up to anything else? Who who related? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I listened to a bit of Big Finish um, a couple of days ago. It, it was RTD. You know, he wrote that. Um, that, that he sort of found this script that he wrote in like 1985 or something in, in his loft, and he sent it to Big Finish, and they they got oh, uh, I think it was Scott Hancock to Hodiac help him finish like that, it. Yeah, Mind of the Hodiac. Hodiac. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I wish um, I listened to that uh, the other day. Uh, a bit slow going, but uh, it, overall enjoyable. I, I found the first episode a bit underwhelming. I think because it was Russell, I was expecting something amazing, you know. Um, and I think Mark, our writer Mark, might have done a review of it. I don't know if it's up on the site yet. Or did he just post on Twitter that he loved it or something? I can't remember. Mark posted something about it on Twitter, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he made of it. But yeah, yeah no, nothing special, dude. I don't, I don't know. Maybe just having the RTD tag made me my expectations a bit high, but it was enjoyable enough. Um, certainly worth a listen. And uh, yeah, the only other thing I've done is I met Bishop. I met John Bishop the other day. Oh, I saw. Um, yeah, very cool. Dan, Dan the band man. Yeah, and. Um, that was at uh, just before one of his shows. He was doing one of his shows local to me. And, um, yeah, I went to the stage door, met him beforehand. and Because uh, I've heard that he's really, really nice to me. Like so many of my friends have met him uh, before the show and said, oh, no, he's, he, he really is great. He loves it. He loves meeting people. So I was like, okay. Because you're never sure, you know. Not everybody wants to be bothered at the stage door. So you're never sure. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had a really good chat with him. And he, he was, as everybody has said to me, uh, really, really nice. Um, was just signing for people. It's probably just a handful of us there. Um, just seemed... A good laugh, you know. And I said to him, somebody mentioned conventions about Jody and Mandit being at the recent convention. He said, "Oh, they said it was crazy. They said it was mad, but they loved it." And I said, "Do you, do you fancy doing that, John? Are we going to see you at LFCC in in July, maybe?" Hint, hint. And he's like, um, "Do you know what?" He goes, "I just," he goes, "I, I like meeting people, but I don't want to be sat at a desk mm. signing for hours." And then he goes, "I much prefer doing this. I much prefer just meeting people." before the show and stuff and I was like oh that's interesting so that was kind of nice in a way because it made me feel better, good about being there because as I said you're never sure whether obviously a celebrity is going to hopefully going to be nice to you but you're never sure in their head if they're going oh for goodness sake you know I've got a show to do in half an hour and there's these people bothering me or whatever you're not but he genuinely seemed to be like enjoying meeting people so so we may or may not see him at conventions because it sounds like he's you know, would rather just meet people on the street. But top guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Top guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good meet him. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. as well. That he's he's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, I was gonna say it would have been I, I did joke beforehand. I said, Oh, it'd be just typical if we catch him on the day when he's having a, a really bad one. He's like, yeah, uh, you, hey, you can bleep off sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. But no, he wasn't. He was lovely. Yeah. yeah, this is not a this is not a Clara situation. Oh no, we don't go down that no. route. No, it's definitely a hun- it's the absolute opposite of meeting uh, <laughs> her. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I did joke with him as well because he had sort of a, a bit, a good bit of time really with him. And I did joke. I said, "Are we going to see you whacking a a sea devil with a wok this Sunday?" And he, he laughed. He's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't say, but you're gonna, you're gonna enjoy it, sort of thing." So that was nice. And um, my friend Adam, who I was with, you know, tall lad, our friend, oh, yeah. who's done a little bit of work on on the series recently, had his um, production thirteen t shirt on, you know, saying uh, staff or whatever. And uh, John uh, John Bishop immediately noticed it. He's like, "Hey, dude, you, you, are you part of the team?" And he's like, "Yeah, we never got to meet because I was sort of behind the scenes." And they had a really good chat and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's literally the first thing he, he noticed as well. So. 
yeah, top guy, John Bishop. It was a really good meeting, that was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So a little bit of who stuff. But no, apart from that, no, nothing else to do. Just gearing up for our Wurzel Gummidge screening on Sunday, which I can't wait for at the BFI. I'm really looking forward to going to that. Yeah, a bit of Wurzel, a bit of Pertwee, a bit of Classic. Yes. Classic Pertwee is all good. I haven't done anything Who-related this week, dude. Other than um, watch the Sea Devils trailer a couple of times and, and a bit of Torchwood. Yeah. Yes, a bit of torture. It's going to be an interesting review, I think, this one. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Before we get on to all that, though, shall we uh, yeah. shall we hop in the TARDIS and um, see what's going on? Bit of news, is it? So, as we've mentioned in the very important first segment of the podcast, which is the useless waffle... <laughs> uh, we have a, a broadcast time and runtime confirmed now for Legend of the Sea Devils, which we didn't have last week. We just knew that it was going to uh, drop on the 17th of April. So now set your alarm clocks for 10 past 7 p.m. here in the UK. And the runtime is 50 minutes, so just shy of an hour. Now, didn't you say that there were some peeps kicking off, like absolutely going no. berserk because it's not an hour and it's 50 minutes? Of course. of course, like Doctor Who fans love to love to have a good old mind about everything, don't they? These days, yeah, Twitter's gone crazy because it's not an hour long. Jesus you know, I mean, God. it's so entitled, isn't it? It's like I demand an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I demand. So, oh, hold on. Let me just go back and look at your Twitter last week. You don't agree with the BBC. You don't like paying your license fee. You want the BBC defunded. But you want an hour's worth of Doctor Who that costs significantly <laughs> more. To, oh, okay, right, okay, that makes uh, complete hundred percent sense. Anyway, yeah, so just under an hour, dude. I don't mind that, you know. I don't mind that because, in it, well, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot now saying that I know it. But typically speaking, when you have these very cool little isolated episodes, it tends to be more of a a fun sort of adventure, isn't it, within that contained time frame? When you're dealing with like a larger story arc. You need obviously more time to progress your your characters and your and your story and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, I think the uh, I think the fifty minute runtime is pretty sweet because you're not sort of pricking your phone up at forty minutes in, thinking, oh Christ, I feel like I've been here forever and there's still twenty mm. minutes left to go. It's um, I don't know, just shaving off those few minutes, I, I think will be a good thing. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I'd rather it be 50 minutes and be good than have an extra 10 minutes where you're thinking, come on, wrap it up now, <laughs> sort of thing. So, but if it's 50 minutes and you're still thinking that, then that is worrying. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know yeah. what, dude? 25 minutes in, you're like, for God's sake, Chibbers, come on. Oh, no, don't. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think this will be good. I think it will be a good uh, a good thing. I'm just hoping, please, Chibbers, come on, that the Sea Devils make up the majority of that runtime. You know, mm. this is not a, we don't need 15 minutes of exposition and in your face, oh, you environmental, political messages. Exposition. We just don't need it. We don't need it. We need a fun adventure to for a nice springboard into the final episode. We don't need mm. drab, like the oceans are full of plastic. That's why the sea devils have cut. We don't need that. We don't need to hear that. Talking to the ocean, actually, you've just reminded me the other thing that, Twitter's going mad about with this uh, with this trailer is uh, people think the creature at the start in the in the water or whatever is the murka murka um, which uh, I I'm, <laughs> I would love love that <laughs> if it is I, I would 
Chibbers would get a little bonus point if that turns out <laughs> to be the Merker. Uh, what do you reckon? Could it be? There's always time for a Merker. Come on. There's that was that would get me off to a great start if if the Merker's in there. But if he's yeah, if he's sort of got his paw trapped in a you know, a plastic <laughs> bottle and then it oh Well, we spoke about the Merker on the round table recently when we were talking about the Sea Devil special stuff. Yeah. And um we were talking about the Merker. So this is a great opportunity to redeem itself because mm-hmm. unfortunately for the Merker back in Warriors of the Deep, it was filmed so terribly. <laughs> that it, it it does need a bit of redemption, I think. So if that is the Merca, then that's that could be a a great thing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say by strange coincidence, we're we're recording this on uh, Thursday, but yesterday on my dot two calendar, you know the one where you rip off a page every day. You've oh, got this yeah. as well. It yeah. just so happened to be <laughs> the Merca. It's a Merca. sign. It's a sign. But that was yesterday. But he's still on there because I haven't torn the page off today. But yeah, it is a sign. I feel like the Merca could be returning, which <laughs> would be. I think a pretty cool thing. I would, I would love that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be pretty sweet, dude. If yeah. it doesn't, though, Twitter will be going mad again. Oh, what a missed opportunity! And <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Well, that's pretty so, sweet. Yeah, bring dude. back the Merca, definitely. Yep. <laughs> right. So, in other news, congratulations to and this guy's body work is quite incredible. Actually, when you look into it, Gary Russell, who won the Terence Dix Award for writers at the uh, recent. Um, Capital Five event, wasn't it, in in uh, the Crown Plaza in Gatwick. So Russell has had a massive long collection with, with Doctor Who, with script editor on Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. He's written loads of Doctor Who novels over the years. He's done loads, isn't he? We like uh, Googled him earlier. I mean, we know the name Gary Russell, but we weren't aware of just how much um, he's done over the years. So he received this award, which was uh, it was a statue of the master, uh, Delgado's master, which we cr- was created by um, Gary Glover from Moodcrest Models. Awesome statue. I mean, I would love this on my shelf. I'm sure Gary was well chuffed with it. And he said on receiving the award, to be the recipient of this integral award is an honour, a pleasure, a scary responsibility I could never have expected. Terence was an inspiration, a mentor above all, a good friend. Thank you for, to the Dwas and to Elsa and to the boys for this amazing award. So yes, yeah, the Terence Dix award that he's won for writers that's amazing dude very cool it's a great statue i, I love it I, I, yeah it looks a good likeness to delgado it's sort of a bronze statue a full figure statue of him looks amazing yeah it is yeah and thank you to rick from from the dwas as well he sent a, a, a close-up picture for us on twitter the other day look very cool he did yeah yes this is very cool i mean like you said we googled gary russell's stuff earlier and we were just scrolling endlessly going <laughs> through all the things that he'd done so yeah, and the the whole point of this award is is to award people that have made a, a a really good contribution to the world of Doctor Who through their writing, and Gary Russell is absolutely worthy of that and some. So yeah, this is very very cool. Yeah, good good yes, on you, Gary. Good good name as well. Good good. <laughs> uh, right, who's going to win the next one then next year? Um, maybe Russell. Maybe Moffat. Uh, He'll turn up absolutely smashed with a. <laughs> he'll walk up to the table still holding the, a bottle of wine and just drink it out the bottle, bottle and be like, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. He gets the Anthony Ainley crafted model. Yeah. He's like, I want the Delgado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Um, okay, that's news. 
That's yeah. new. So Sea Devils is on at 10 past seven here in the UK. Check your local, like wherever you're listening, if you're in Australia or the US, Canada, or whatever, check your uh, your local stuffs. Uh, but 7.10 here in the UK. And Gary Russell has bagged the very first Terence Dix Award for writers, which is very cool. So that's out of the way. Review time, dude. What we got? So yes, we're finally on the last day of Torchwood Children of Earth. Day five. Civilization's about to fall to hell. Do you think you're still players? We can try. Captain Harkness, it's me, it's Lois. What do we do? But you've seen what they do to them. Where are you taking them? I'm recording this so you can see. You can see how the world ended. Children of Earth, day five. We're finally here, dude. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, if you think this was shown all in one week, wasn't it, before? So you would have watched one a night, and we've watched... This does feel a long time coming, actually. We've sort of spread it out quite a bit, and obviously we've had recording breaks and stuff, so feels a long time coming, this, doesn't it? It does, yes. But we're finally here, day five, yeah. We are here. So this one was first broadcast back on the 10th of July, 2009, and it was written by Russell T. Davis, directed by Euros Lynn. And the synopsis for the final part is Torchwood is defenceless and Gwen Cooper stands alone. As anarchy prevails, an ordinary council estate becomes a battleground for the future of the human race. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, all right then, dude. What, what, what did you reckon to... Be, we'll talk about the whole thing a bit later on, but just this as, this, as a final um, episode. What did you think? Yeah, so... Um I've said a few times whenever we've reviewed Day Whatever that um, we, we've really enjoyed this so far, this series, and we kept saying, and we hope it has a good payoff because it's been really good, better than we remember, you know, better than we thought. And um, and I did keep saying, it's strange because I can't remember how it ends and I can't remember the last episode at all, and yet I've probably seen it at least twice over the years, but I, I can't remember it. I now, having watched it again last night, think i know why i I think the the trauma of it has blocked my memory as it has made me for you know try to forget because it's so dark it's such a dark episode um but it is brilliant i i i thought it was a really i really enjoyed it but it is bleak as hell i mean i it, it it's much darker than i remembered in tone i mean the stuff happening with the kids and and Frobisher's family and and as if, as if that isn't bad enough what jack does at the end with his daughter's son i mean i don't know how i could have forgotten this ending apart from just blocking it out of my mind because of the trauma of it because it's so disturbing but but absolutely brilliant i th- i thought it was a really good conclusion to the to the series, uh, to the Children of Earth story. Um, not perfect. I mean, the, you know, the, there's bits here and there that perhaps could have been tightened up. There's a lot of uh, sort of running around and stuff, so maybe a little bit of padding, I, I, I would say. Um, but for me, it wrapped it up nicely, and it gave some real shock value. It was a couple of really strong scenes that made me sit up and go, whoa, like, uh, you know, that really sort of grabbed my attention. And... Uh, yeah, I, I kept thinking as well after all the stuff that happens, and we'll go through it obviously, but all the stuff that happens in this episode that is quite, you know, grim. I kept thinking, how are they going to end 
like the last scene because you can't have all this death and and misery and then just have them turning up and being like all laughing and joking and hey Gwen we saved the world you just I thought this is the most serious adult bleakest torchwood we've had and you can't just then wrap it up in a good way but also you can't leave your viewers feeling down you've got to somehow find a way to have a good ending and I kept thinking right up to the last minute how are they going to do that how's Russell going to going to finish this off and not leave us feeling utterly depressed by the end of it um and he he kind of does it i mean it, i would say he turns he turns the ending from a very bleak depressing ending to an emotional ending so he can't go for happy because it just wouldn't work you just you can't switch the tone like that but he does manage to make it a nice emotional ending and uh, I found it quite satisfying. I still sat there afterwards just feeling like, whoa, that was that was something. That was brave. That was, you know, it's brave to do that stuff in a tortured episode, especially the Frobisher's family bit. Um, but it, it, it did leave me feeling like I really enjoyed that series. I, I thought it was a really good series. But wow, what a... <laughs> What an episode, eh? And I, I know that you... Well, I'm going to go over to you now, but I know that you needed a stiff drink after watching this, and you don't even drink. So, <laughs> particularly, you're not... You, yeah, you're not much of a drinker like me, but uh, go on, hit me with your thoughts. What did you think when you finished watching it? I did need a drink, buddy. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, In a good way, though, was it still... Did you think it was good, or was it just too bleak for you? I did think it was good, yeah. I thought it was a really... Mm. Um, I th- like you said, I think you nailed it. I think it was a real, a real brave move from Russell to um, to not turn it into a sort of light-hearted, yay, we've 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 defeated the aliens and now we're going to go back to the hub and make tea and reminisce about the ones we've lost, but also have a laugh and a crack. You know, it, it would have been just wouldn't suit the the tone of the whole story really. So, but the thing is, dude, it's just bloody dark and bleak. Um, it is dark. And it kind of hits you out of nowhere as well, because you mm. think with Doctor Who and Torchwood in general, and the 99% of the time, you do think like they're on the ropes for the majority of the story, but of course they're going to bounce back at some point and they're going to defeat the aliens and it's going to be kind of happily ever after in this case, because we've already lost Yanso and, you know, so it's kind of, kind of like that. But it wasn't even that, it was just a... Uh, Yes, they did manage to to stop the aliens and get rid of them, but bloody hell, at the cost, though. I mean, that there were two moments in the episode that just floored me, uh, that made me just sat there on the sofa for about five minutes just watching a blank TV screen at the end. <laughs> so the, we'll get into more detail, but obviously the bit where Frobisher uh, just murders himself and his family because yeah. he thinks that that's a better outcome than his children being sent off with the aliens so they could be... Oh, and then the well, actually, there's three things. The, the second thing is when Jack sacrifices his own grandson. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the the third thing, I guess, is the reason why the aliens are there in the first place. That's just dreadful. That's just oh god, yeah, that yeah, you know, I know. it's just yeah. awful. So <laughs> it made me think, what's going on in Russell's mind? Actually, a bit. <laughs> he was having a bad week when he wrote this one. He wasn't must he? Have so, it, yeah. But the thing is, it's not in in a way that's a really good thing that those dark things happened because we've said so many times when we've reviewed all of Tortured up to Children of Earth, those first two series, that mm. it often suffers 
with trying to be adult for the sake of being adult just because yeah. it's Torchwood. So they often toss in these sex scenes and a bit of swearing and stuff to make it kind of feel like, yeah, we're the cool kids because we're on late night TV. We're part of Doctor Who, but we're also part of the adult cool gang so we can swear and be sexy and stuff like that. And oftentimes it, it's a case of, well, you didn't really need to do that. It doesn't aid any, you know, it doesn't do anything with the story. It doesn't move the plot along. It doesn't do any character progression. It's just there. Whereas this, it was proper adult dark stuff, but it was absolutely 100% just felt normal in this context of the story. It was mm. just there because it needed to be um, needed to be a thing. So bleak and dark and difficult to watch, but needed it within the tone and the narrative, if if you know what I mean. So, mm. but I thought it was a great ending to the thing and a, another great story. I think this is probably the this is peak Torchwood. I think absolutely, yeah. definitely, yeah. And it it really left me wanting more as well. So when Jack goes off at the end and you think to yourself so where does Torchwood go from here it, and it's, it's good in a way to finally see things catching up with Jack because he finally sort of acknowledges that it, you know it's too much for him uh, like the bravado has got uh, at this point has been dropped because he acknowledges like Owen and Tosh and Yanto and they've all died and this just can't carry on and it's you know I can't carry on with this and you think it's about time really that that all that stuff did catch up with Jack, and in Barrowman plays that brilliantly. By the way, I thought the end scene between between him and Gwen and uh, Reese is great. Um, so it's you know it's, I think it's right, and it, it, it does feel like t- uh, peak Torchwood. It's uh, it really left me wanting more, and of course I know that the next series is Miracle Day, which uh, I have only watched once on transmission. I really didn't enjoy it. I, I, I mean, we are going to review it, and I'm, I'm after watching this. I am really looking forward to to watching it again to see why I didn't enjoy it, whether I enjoy it more this time round. Do I, you know, do I appreciate it more on a, on, a, on a rewatch? Which I'm really hoping I do because, yeah, from my memory, this is the best series of torture with children of Earth, and we go from this to Miracle Day, which I remember not enjoying at all. So. I'm interested to go on to that from from this point and see how they pick it up and and there are obvious things which I don't think happen like um I thought Lois was a great character and I don't think we really find out what happens to her she just gets left in the cell and I was thinking she would have been a great uh, member of Torchwood so do they draft her in I don't think they do but that could have been an option um and there was someone else actually I thought could have been a good member of Torchwood, but I forget who. But yeah, there are elements, there are strands left in this series enough to really sort of um, warrant the next series. And, and you could have picked up those strands. From what I remember, they don't. I think Miracle Day kind of moves in a much different direction from what I remember. But Solo ago since I've seen it, I can't think. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it's yeah, um, yeah it, it's yeah, definitely left me wanting more as well, which was good. Yes, no, I'm the same. I'm with you on that, dude. Same feelings where um, you didn't really want it to end. I mean, we mentioned earlier that we spread this out over a couple of months, you know, mm. uh, for obvious reasons. But um, I imagine if you were watching this uh, each night over it went out across five days, you would have felt like, not shortchanged, but you would have felt like this is not obviously a full series of Torchwood like we've had before. So what were the previous ones? They were like 20 episodes or 18 or something like that. Quite a lot, quite a few. It is an odd concept that now, doesn't it? I can't, can you imagine that? Because I mean, I would I would have watched this when it went out every night, 
Um, but that does seem an odd idea now because it's like getting it all in one week and then you probably didn't have any torchwood for a long time. So what was the gap? This was 2009. When did Miracle Day start? I think it was quite a while after, wasn't it? Miracle uh, Day started. Um, it's 2011. A couple of years later, yeah. Well, there was so, yeah, a lot of behind-the-scenes to... stuff, though, that changed, right? So after Children of Earth, Russell had, had assumed that this was the very last torchwood, mm. the very last one. But there was some funding and production stuff that happened behind the scenes and the the next one was it miracle day isn't it yeah Yeah. the um it was like a sort of co-british north american production thing so that sort of came out of the blue really so i think from russell's point of view this was the last certainly in the early days of when he sort of conceptualized the story and what would happen he must have envisaged that this would have been the last time because it does in a way it does cap off torchwood reasonably nicely i suppose because mm. at the end when you see um you see gwen and um and reese go off nicely together with she's because there's a little bit of a wobble early on in the story where she's yeah, like a little wobble yeah uh, she doesn't want to bring a child into the world as it is now and he's like you're not getting rid of the baby and she's like i am so but then later on we see that lovely side of gwen where she's like you know i never would have got rid of it and mm. so um well, that got that got me that bit. That did get oh, me. Oh yeah, um, and well, she uh, said I wouldn't do that to you as yeah, well. Again, the yeah. the relationship between those two is so strong at this point. We get is is good as well. Yeah, so you get the feeling that that um, Gwen and Reese would have gone off, lived their life happily, had the baby, all good. Jack has decided to just abandon Earth altogether. He's gone off on his travels alone. He doesn't want. He he's just cut up, isn't he? The fact that <clears throat> since he's been here on Earth running Torchwood he's lost person after person people have died mm. he blames himself obviously and the the sort of straw that broke the camel's back was having to sacrifice his grandson which you could tell that that was completely I don't know we'll get onto that scene but yeah that completely tore him up so he's mm. gone off you know he's no sign at the moment of him coming back so that would have rounded off Torchwood obviously in a in a dark way, not a happy ending, but it would have rounded it off, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on Miracle Day. It's like we've said all the time when we review Torchwood that we can't really remember in great detail some of these stories because it was a while ago, but I'm pretty sure this is the best that Torchwood's ever been. I don't think Miracle Day sort of gets you as, as excited to watch the next one and the next one like this one did, but... No, um, but why, I'm wondering why though, because I, I mean, it's difficult to to sort of look back now and and sort of put it into context of where Doctor Who and Torchwood were in in uh, in line with each other. Because this was obviously Torchwood was still really popular; it was getting really good viewing figures. So, what was the reason for Russell ending it? Was it was it because he was moving on? Is this because uh, I'm not very good with timelines? Is this because Russell was leaving Doctor Who or 2009? When would that have been? I'm just wondering what the reason was. It would, I'm, I'm assuming it's not because the BBC didn't want more because it was really popular. So I'm wondering, or maybe Russell just decided, okay, I've done, I'm done with it, I'm moving on. I don't know. Um, no, I don't think that's ever been publicised anywhere. The only the information we've got is in the book, The Writer's Tale. Hmm. And the only thing that Russell mentions, I think anyway, I haven't read it in a while, but I think the only thing that he mentions in it is there was meant to be a a closing um a closing shot at the, at the end of this episode that said 
like a computer screen that says uh, Torchwood status terminated. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And at the last minute, Russell uh, decided to take that out because he didn't want viewers to think that... Uh, um, he didn't want viewers to think that Torchwood had been cancelled. You know, he didn't want to give the impression that BBC had pulled the plug on the show. So I, it's right. probably more so that Russell had just decided to move on and just work on yeah. other things, probably. I get you. Yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's at the height of his popularity, like you said, it's at this point for me, it's just like at its peak as well. So it's just interesting that it's, it was seen at the time as being the end of Torchwood, you know, the, the final. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. So um, uh, moving on to see some more detailed story elements then. So this is, I'd say this is the most simplistic of the five episodes to me. In the previous four, there were certain threads that were going on. You had like the sort of x filey undercover agent sort of things that were happening previous to that where Torchwood had to go underground essentially and, you know, infiltrate uh, the government and so on. Uh, which is where Lois came in, you know, such a good character with that. And mm. so a little bit sort of um, non-Torchwood-esque, whereas this one, all the cards are on the table at this point. So nobody's hiding anything. So they talk, um Captain Jack has been captured. Gwen and Reese are uh, with PC Andy at this point, and they've gone off to find Yanto's uh, sister to save her and the children and whatnot. And the alien is standing you know, very stubborn, like, cause they get, they get to a point where they haven't got enough kids to sacrifice. They've only got 80% and the aliens like, no, I want all of them. Mm. And, uh, so everybody knows where they stand. It's all, it's all there. So it's the most simplistic for me. So what did you think to the story as we went from the beginning of the episode to the end in terms of, it wasn't so much of a, it was more of a gradual build up to the finale for me, more of a classic, story style rather than the sort of up and down roller coaster that we had in the previous episodes yeah i suppose out, out of all the days this it's probably the the least interesting only because like you said or there's the, the other days have all thrown up questions by day five we've kind of got answers to all those questions and all it really is is like the kickoff it's like tying everything up so in that sense it's the least interesting of all the days but um, it doesn't mean it's any less enjoyable for it because it does have all the sort of shock elements and action uh, that, that keep it you know uh, up to the standard of the other episodes I'd say it just doesn't have any like you said all the way through up to this point we've been trying to work things out what what does the 4561 what did the government do before and we've had some really good payoffs like the shocking realization that it was jack that gave the children away halfway through i mean that was a fantastic moment so we've had some really good sort of like you said roller coaster up and down moments this episode is just all about tying all those elements up and i think it does it well and i think although the scenes are shocking um i think it needs them really to make it the episode that it is because if you took took out frobisher uh murdering his family which is a horrific scene i kept thinking god what did capaldi think when he read that in the script i mean just it's just and it's handled so well as well because it's the way that the secretary uh, what's her name is it rebecca bridget um she's telling the story as we see frobisher getting the gun and walking upstairs with it behind his back and going in the children's bedroom it's whoa it's really heavy stuff i mean it's and i think like you said it totally suits 
Torchwood. You could never do that in Doctor Who. I think if this if that sort of thing was in Doctor Who, it's a step too far. I think with Torchwood, they just tread the line right. It's incredibly shocking, but it's handled in a way that it, it totally works. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought it, it was a good episode. But, yeah, maybe it's the... I still think it's as good as the other episodes, but it's probably the weaker in the sense that all the cards are on the table, like you said. So you're just kind of tying everything up. But then you've got to do that. And I suppose that's really my only downside to it, really, is I did feel like the 4, 5, 6 were defeated very quickly and a bit too easily. But part of me just thinks, yeah, at this point, you just kind of need that to wrap the story up. And then you obviously get the other side of that. The fact, the way they're defeated with Jack's grandson is so shocking that... um it it does work, but I, they were defeated a little bit too easily. They, in terms of Jack figures out the signal thing very quickly. That I mean, that guy's been working on it for forty years, and Jack solves it in like two and a half minutes. You know, it's a little bit convenient and a quick wrap up, but I, I don't mind it at all because of the way it's handled and the stuff with his grandson, which is just leaves you open mouthed. Um, so yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought overall it was still a very good, well written episode, and it's kind of. With any story like this, it's so difficult to to probably think of good ways to wrap it up and make you feel satisfied with the conclusion. And I I did feel satisfied with it. I didn't sort of get to the end of it and think, oh, after all that, you know, it wasn't a flux situation where I got to the end and thought, God, that could have been brilliant. What a, what a rubbish ending, you know. It's like this did leave me satisfied. So mm-hmm. in that okay. sense, I think it was a good episode, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Frobisher's character first then. Yeah, yeah. Because he's, I felt so sorry for him because you you almost thought that he's been treated like Beep throughout the series anyway. Yeah. So the Prime Minister has essentially used him as a puppet. Completely, 100% dispensable. Doesn't care about him oh, one iota. Prime Minister, man. Oh. Yeah, what a, what a, oh, I'm yeah. really struggling to, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, so he's completely used him from beginning to end and this was the real excuse me you almost thought surely not surely not he's got he hasn't it's a completely heartless move because there's one thing to treat your colleague well he doesn't really view him as a colleague does he He just views him as Mm a as a just a servant to do whatever he you know he wants there's one thing to treat him like that but then to to involve his his children and his wife and in that stuff and essentially as well as sacrificing him because he's going to get he would just ne- imagine if Frobisher did went through with it maybe imagine if the aliens had had succeeded and they they took the kids and Frobisher had sacrificed his kids he probably would have ended up killing himself anyway there's no way mm. that he would have been able to live with that so the prime minister has effectively sacrificed him or made him sacrifice himself either way but has also made him sacrifice his own kids. So you think, come on, that's surely that's not going to be a... And this is what we were saying earlier about Russell being a bit of a dark place, it seems, but there's, surely he wouldn't do that. So that was heartbreaking, that scene. And what made it worse for me was the fact that it was just that that good old storytelling technique where your mind makes up the images of him shooting his kids and his wife and then mm. killing himself because... It's just so well done as well. That is really well done. Like you said, when she's in the jail cell with, with Alice. Alice? Because you wonder Lois. where that's going, don't you? She starts telling this story and you're yeah. like, what's this about? What's, she, what's going on here? Yeah. I yeah. mean, we, there's a bit of a twist to that, which they, they, 
reveal of towards a the good end. Twist, but yeah. yeah, it's like she's saying he's a good man, you know, he's doing all this mm. stuff and he's dedicated his life to his work sort of thing and he's a good man. He's not perfect, but you know, he's done all this stuff and it's just completely from Frobisher's point of view, for those scenes in his house, they're completely speechless, literally. There's no dialogue that you can hear. And then when he goes across the land and he's got the gun behind his back, he shuts the yeah. door and then you think that's worse because now my mind is making up these horrific scenes where mm. he's, you know, so that it was really well done. And that's that, that stuck with me afterwards. That, that was one of the scenes as it probably did everybody that watched it, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was hard to watch because if that had been an episode of Doctor Who or, Sarah Jane or something which obviously wouldn't have been as as dark as this anyway but all of that just wouldn't have happened Frobisher just wouldn't be around and then there'd be some line that was dropped in later like oh yeah Frobisher managed to take his children and his wife and they escaped and you know everything was fine so yeah it was it was dark dude but um needed though right needed yeah I was gonna say what what was weird watching that is because as I said I'd I, it's a while since I've watched this and I'd, I have forgotten all of it honestly I, but it was a bit like a sort of slow flashback coming to me as I saw him open the box and the kids going upstairs I was like oh no I remember this now <gasps> oh no I know what he does and then you see him with the gun behind his back and you're like oh god no I'd forgotten this. He shoots the family. Oh God! And it, yeah, it's it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. But so, yeah, like you said, just well handled. It showed you exactly what it needed to show without being um, gory, or it, it just left it. You know, you knew what happened. You didn't need to see it or anything like that. And yeah, just Capaldi's face as well. I mean, God, you know, he's so good in it. He has been brilliant in the series as well. It's it's so strange to think that he goes on to be the Doctor because. Although he looks the same, pretty much, he feels like a completely different character. Yeah, and um, yeah, but when when the prime minister was telling him about his kids being, your kids have got you know you've got to be an example. Your kids have got to be inoculated. His the performance in that room, I mean, you just wanted to. If you were Frobisher, you'd have punched the prime minister's lights out, wouldn't you? You just, you'd just yeah. no way you'd ever yeah. let that happen. And for the, for the prime minister to think that you would ever go through with that, I think is. You know, but it made for for a really great scene. But would you know what was also great about that was the Bridget, this character Bridget, his secretary, which is sort of she's just been a little sideline character really up until this point, really pushed her character forward. And what I loved about the writing was we get this backstory about her and Frobisher, mm-hmm. um, which was just hinted at with one line, wasn't it? Um, back in what episode, whatever, where she said, "You wouldn't have been." She's sort of insinuating that. Uh, Lois has had a bit of a thing with him, which of course she hasn't. But she's like, "You weren't, the, you weren't the first. And we think, "Oh, maybe her and Frobisher have had a bit of a thing at some point." But all it's a throwaway line, and it comes full circle in this, where mm-hmm. it's not so much that they've had an affair, but she she has a respect for Frobisher, and there's obviously been a little bit of something there, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all about the fact that he is a good man, and she's got to know him over the years, and all these silly little ways, and he's so clumsy. And suddenly that one little throwaway line has, has become a really nice, uh, like you said, a, a very emotional backstory, isn't it? You know, when she says, John, mm-hmm. fr- just remember this. John Frobisher is a good man. And then while she's telling that, you've got all this re- really horrific stuff going on with him shooting his family. It's, uh, yeah, again, just very nicely written, I thought. A very dark, but very well handled and very, very well written, I thought. But it was great to see Bridget coming forward. I mean... 
she's superb at the end when the prime minister's being all smug and she's like oh i also took out the the uh contact lenses and all this and i'm filming you right now i thought what a brilliant scene you almost want to cheer and and say yeah go bridget like i just <laughs> thought that was brilliant and completely wiped that smug smile off the prime minister's face i mean i can't remember the actor's name but he's he's really selling that i mean you really don't like his character and he's really playing that quite well uh the smug prime minister but yeah rebecca mm. what a great character right eh? And, really and she's good. just sort of been in the background. She's had a few good moments, but she really comes to the forefront in this, doesn't she? She does. And like you said, up to now, she's just been a bit of a side character that's been a little bit grumpy, a little bit miserable, and looking out for Frobisher because she's kind of dedicated her work alongside mm-hmm. him. You know, she's stood by him. You know. Did I say Rebecca? I meant Bridget. We knew what you I meant. I think I said that. Yeah, yeah cool, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she stood by him and, and all that, which is really good. And then... There is a scene where she's just staring at the prime minister, and you think, "Cool, she's she's not happy at all no. because she's she's obviously aware of of what's going on." And you think to yourself, "If there was a way she could get back at him, she would absolutely do it." And then we do get a nice payoff at the end, where she does mm. get back at him with the lenses and stuff. So that's a cool twist. But yeah, she had, she had a really good story this one. Up to now, she's just been the sort of frumpy, moody assistant. Yeah, you just um, think she's a yeah. bit jealous because there's a younger assistant coming, really. You think that's all it is, and it's quite nice that there's so much more to it. When you think about this, mate, think about all the... Because I'm just thinking about the characters as well. We've got Frobisher, we've got Bridget, we've got PC Andy's thrown in, we've got Yanto's sister and his family, we've got Torchwood themselves, uh, you've got that other guy that's been working on the, you know, 456 for 40 years, can't remember his name, that guy, uh, who gets shot in the leg very randomly at the end. That was a bit weird. Um, there's, you know, Russell is juggling a lot of elements here, isn't he? There's a lot of st- stuff going on. And yet, in my mind, and I think you agree by the sounds of it, he's really making it work. It doesn't feel like a confused mess, does it? You're not sat there thinking, well, what was that about? Or why was this character there? Because you've also got that other woman who's been holding Jack's uh, daughter hostage as well. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. But to me, it's handled really well. Like Everything seems to come together the way that... Andy picks Gwen up and they go to Yanto's sister and then they try and save the kids and everything seems quite well thought out and plotted. Yeah, I think, Neil, now that you said that, that highlights another dark moment though in the episode because you almost think there's a turning point for Jack and his daughter as well. Oh God, yeah. You know, because up in the first couple of episodes, it's been a bit frosty between them. Like she knows that he's not really committed to her or, or her grandson. His grandson, mm. so it's, you know, she knows that he's a bit of a, you know, a, a sort of here today, gone tomorrow, you know, that kind of thing. But in this episode, it's more like, um, you know, it, you know, has he turned a corner and wants to be in their life a bit more and is more reliable and stuff? Because there's a bit where she's talking to Johnson and she's like, you know, if you want to, if you want to solve this thing, then you're going to need the only the only guy that can that can do it. Mm. So, um, she's like, you know, you're going to need Captain Jack, basically. If you want to save the world, you're going to need my dad. And then she's quite proud. You know, there's a bit where she sees him working away, like you said, the quick wrap up at the laptop at the end, and she sees him buzzing away, and she's almost a sense of pride. And you think, ah, oh, cool. So these two are going to have some sort of reconciliation and all that stuff, you know. And but then, yeah that gets all torn to shreds with the other dark scene or primarily the other dark scene where 
yeah, let's talk about that where Jack has to, and I use the word has quite um, importantly there because it's not an easy decision, I don't think, for, mm. for Jack to have to make, but it's there, he's on the spot. It's like, what do you do? And it's and it's one of those um, it's one of those storytelling formulas that never gets old. It's been used a thousand times across films and TV and books, where it's like the sacrifice of one or a few to save many. It's it's a it's an age old thing, right? But it still mm-hmm. works. It still tugs at the heartstrings every time, and and you can see in his face he knows exactly what needs to happen before anyone's even said it. So there's a bit where he's working out the the reverse sound wave amplitude thing and he's like yeah i figured it out but we you know we don't know a way of actually getting this up to the up to the aliens and then as soon as that guy decker says you know there is a way his face just turns and his eyes well up and that's mm-hmm. it immediately he's like nope must be another way so then it leads on obviously to having to make a decision but bloody hell for for captain jack he's kind of been Run all run over with a steamroller a few times in this <laughs> uh, series, hasn't yeah. he? Because yeah, like you said, we have that twist a little bit earlier on in I think it's episode three or day three where they say, "So it was you that sacrificed all those kids back in the sixties and he's like, "Oh yes, yeah, I had to do that." So he kind of feels like he's he's doing a bad thing, but it has to be done. But yeah. now this is like times a thousand in terms of, of that sort of thing. And then you've got his daughter that's screaming at him, or, you know, rightly so. And then that's something that we do see. It's not like the Frobisher thing. We yeah. do see his grandson literally dying before everyone's eyes. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's a, a hard thing. So, yeah. That was a hard, hard watch. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, because the kid as well is, is so up for, when he doesn't realise he's going to his death, does he? The kid's like, what are we doing, Uncle Jack? What can I do? He's like, we're sort of keen to help. And it's, Jack's face is just like destroyed, isn't it? I mean, you just at this point, Jack is a broken man, and it takes a lot. I mean, because of Captain Jack's character, he's he's a bit full of himself. He's full of all this bravado, and at this point, though, his Jack is completely broken, isn't he? He's like he knows what he's got to do, but like you said, the drama that's created um, is brilliant because it's like you said, it's an age-old thing. But that decision, we all put ourselves in that in Jack's shoes and what the hell would you do? You know, what the hell would you do? do? And yeah, yeah, it's, you, you almost expect, I mean, you sort of think, okay, we've had the stuff of Frobisher. That was dark. We can't have another scene like that. So I'll be honest. I almost expected the kid to do a bit of a Jack and go (gasps) and sort of be alive or somehow to survive. I kept thinking he'll, he'll open his eyes in a minute and he won't be dead, but he'll be like really badly hurt, but he won't be dead. I kept thinking any minute now, um, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The, you know, the kid is dead in, in his daughter's arms. It's like, my God. And, you know, it, it's shocking. It's proper shocking. But it, but it does stay with you, doesn't it? It just leaves you sat there thinking, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, whereas if he had come back alive, it probably would have taken something away. He'd be like, oh, of course he, of course he survived sort of thing. But he doesn't. <laughs> they could have done that though, because he's sort of related to Jack. He, maybe he could have inherited some of that. Jack lives sort of thing, couldn't he? The kid could have gone <gasps> and come back alive. That would have been mm. something. But that would, yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's it is unbelievably dark that the kid dies, but I think it's the right decision. It, it it just has to be in terms of the way this series has unfolded. I just think, yeah, 
it's it has to be done for for the for the story to sort of end unfortunately but it does but yeah. my god yeah you Just do feel so watch. sorry for jack yeah. don't you when he stood there well your the daughter's do. brilliant yeah. as well when she's going mad on the door she's really good to um, the woman playing his daughter they they sort of really work together don't they as brother and sister they, they sort of look like they could um, as father and daughter sorry they sort of look like they could be related those two yeah they do it's it just got that look i think that sort of straight yeah that look it's um i think about it a bit more jack really has um jack really has been has gone through it because with these tough decisions and all that stuff remember he was blown to bits at one point as well <laughs> literally blown to bits literally blown to bits and then he lost yanto who he was close yeah. with so yeah he has been through it so you can understand why he wants a bit of a vacay for a few months. Um, we don't really get much um, chance to mourn Yanto, do we? I mean, it's, he's, he's mentioned and, you know, they do... You can see that Jack's broken up about it when he's in the prison, but we there's so much else going on. We don't really get much time to sort of stop and mourn Yanto much. I mean, we kind of did at the end of the last episode anyway, I guess, but... Yeah. It's kind of like, Yanto's dead, but I've got to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh, Jack... Um, okay, and then we have um, the prime minister does get a bit of a comeuppance at the end with the with yeah. the lenses, and then the whoever the MP or member of whatever she basically puts the final nail in the coffin quite nicely. She's <laughs> like, actually, I think you'll find you won't have a job in a few days' time, but I'll happily step into you. So he kind of gets. We know that it's, it's not detailed us in any way, but mm. from that uh, the, the few lines that she delivers to him towards the end we kind of know that um yeah he's going to be out the door pretty soon so that's cool so we have a little bit of mm. a little bit of a you know you've got your comeuppance there a little bit yeah it's just a terrible cost though because um i mean he's the, the guy um who's playing that that character um he's played him very very well he's got this very superficial like throughout the whole thing he's never concerned once about the actual children that they want to sacrifice no. or have decided to sacrifice he doesn't care about that at all he just cares about getting one over on the Americans who have turned up to interrupt and run the show and steer clear of any blame. He doesn't care about the kids at all. And then, um, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, he gets it but he plays that part really well though. What's the actor's name? It's, um, he's, he's just got that kind of, he's perfect face for being quite smug. Yes. The actor. Yeah. He does flow. It does, it does make you think, I mean, you know, not sort of to get political and, and stuff, but, it does make you think, though, doesn't it, about yeah. stuff. I mean, like, our, you know, our government in real life, you know, how they just do anything to cover their own backs. And we kind of just turn a blind eye to it so much. And this, although it's completely, you know, a complete uh, fiction, but it's, you mm-hmm. know, it, it does actually sort of um, relate to real life in some ways, you know. It does mirror real life in some ways. Like the vaccination thing, I kept thinking all the way through this, that telling people... Your kids will be vaccinated so that they're immune to the screaming and stuff. And then here we are getting vaccinated for COVID and we just kind of have to believe our government. It does it, it does make you a bit paranoid, doesn't it? Because you sort of think you do have to believe the people in charge, you know, you to do. a certain extent. Yeah. But then but then all the stuff, all the lies that we're told and we kind of just we get angry about it. But then the next day we kind of forget about it. And it's like we shouldn't really. And this is kind of mirroring that you know, in a fiction way, isn't it? That it's like, 
he's just going to cover up his own back and no one will know any different but oh they will because someone's going to expose you mm-hmm. you know so although it's ludicrous in some ways and it's just a story I kept thinking it, it does make you think about real life and how we just accept everything we're told and you know maybe yeah. we shouldn't always accept it I'm not saying we shouldn't get vaccinated by the way because I, I am tr- you know vaccinated and I'm all for it I'm just saying you know it just makes you think <laughs> even does, the TV man. show it just makes you think about you know, real life mm-hmm. <laughs> and the government and stuff yeah. like that. No, I read you, man. Yeah, it's a scary, potentially scary thought mm. with that stuff. Just, yeah. just one thing I got on my notes here, mate, as well, which I actually was going to mention in the beginning, but I didn't. And uh, this story starts with Gwen talking to a video camera um, saying about, you know, I hope we'd have to tell the story, blah, blah, blah. Now, as the story progresses, we get to see more of that video. And actually, she starts that message by talking about the doctor. She's like, Jack used to talk about this guy, the doctor, and I'm wondering why he isn't here to save us, and maybe sometimes he looks away because he's too ashamed. Uh, I thought that was brilliant, because actually up to this point, I haven't asked myself, yeah, where is the doctor while all this is going on? So they don't explain it. They don't say why the doctor isn't there to save it. But it's a good question, isn't it? And I really like the fact they acknowledge it, like Gwen saying, where is this doctor guy Mm -hmm. that he always talks about that saves us, you know, but it just goes to show the doctor can't be everywhere at once. He can't save the world every time. So, but yeah, I, yeah. where was the doctor at this point? I have a feeling somebody's answered this and I can't find it online, but I have a feeling that maybe Russell or someone has said, oh, well, this was set during the time when, but I, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yes. Um, but where was the doctor? Where, where do you reckon he was? I'm not, yeah, because... I, th- I think that when Gwen's delivering those lines, it's kind of meant to put across that nine times out of ten, the Doctor is there to save the planet if something big's going down. Yeah. But because she's in such a bad place at that point, I think she's just saying, um, you know, why would the Doctor turn up and, and save the planet when we've acted so badly? Yeah, exactly, you know? which is a great line. Yeah, yeah, so I don't think that would translate necessarily to the Doctor. I think regardless of what's happened, I think the Doctor's always got this sense of, you know, humans have got a long way to go. They're still learning. You know, that kind of thing that we've, we've heard the Doctor say mm. a few times already. So I think she's just putting across a bit of her own internal feeling on it and, yeah. and trying to... But yeah, where is the Doctor, though? Because it is quite a big sort of planet... I wouldn't say the planet's about to be obliterated or anything like that, but this is a big old, a big old thing. I'm sure somebody's answered it. I think it was Russell. I think he said, "Yeah, if you think about it, this was set. This is set in sort of modern day Earth, isn't it?" And I think at the time, I'm trying to think who was the Doctor at this point. Is it still Tennant or was it Matt? I don't know. I, I, I think it's somebody has said, "Yeah, this was set during when the Doctor was captured and tied up here." I don't know. There's a reason he's not around. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah, this would yeah, be Matt. Though, right? it. I think this would be. Is this Matt? Is it two thousand nine? I guess it would. Be. Hold on for two thousand five, six, seven, eight, nine. Or no, it would be. Well, it would just. Well, it might be that in betweeny moment, or maybe ten. Oh, what, I don't know. Well, like the specials moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm, it could be. Yeah. Mm. Don't know. Somebody listening will know, but yeah, I just just made me think. But I, I like the fact they acknowledge it and they mention the doctor because. It's a good question, you know. Where is the doctor? But yeah, also, it just goes yeah. to show he can't always save the earth. You know, sometimes we've got to try and save it ourselves. <laughs> I'll read you. 
Yeah. yeah, I wonder what the doctor would have done there if he had have turned up. Like, how would he have? Would he have well, figured if out it another was Jody's way? doctor, she'd have turned up and got the <laughs> oh, Sonic <God>. out, <laughs> took a few readings, and uh, yeah, probably just don't know. Talked it to death, probably. Uh, Two thousand. Oh, yeah. So this would have been during the. <laughs> this is probably during the uh, fourth series, I think. So series three. Oh no, hang on. Series four. Sorry, was two thousand eight to two thousand ten. Is that right? Yeah. Two thousand eight. I'm trying to think when the specials were. God, it's scary to think it was this long ago, dude. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, so actually, so the specials started in December two thousand eight. So we're sort of midway through the specials, I think in the timeline but but of course timelines and dots who don't really mean much anyway do they so exactly mate. <laughs> probably best yeah. not to think about it let's just say he was tied up doing other things mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um okay let's last let's finish up on let's finish up on where gwen and reese leave us at the end then Mm. So, like I mentioned at the beginning, those guys are in a fairly good place, a really good place now. We've we've kind of left behind all of the gump from the previous two series, where Gwen was a bit of a naughty girl and flirting yeah. with Jack all the time. They seem to have just ditched all that. It's just not, it's not needed. And we felt really sorry for Reese, didn't we, in those series because he's a really good guy. He's like you know, he's a great yeah yeah really good guy, and she didn't really treat him that well. But now they they've turned a corner and they're all good. So. We know that Gwen's back for the next series of Torchwood. And I think Reese is there too. I think I'm pretty sure that Reese is there. Kyoren's back. Has she got a baby? That's what I'm trying to think. Are we going to see a baby in Miracle Day? Because I, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Maybe Reese is at home. Is like a, <laughs> at home. No, I'm, I'm not even joking. I can't remember. But maybe he's at home looking after it. I really can't remember Miracle Day at all. Yeah. Um, I don't, no, I can't. The not with a baby. I don't anyway. even. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I finished watching it. How many episodes is it? Ten. Um, I mean, that's that's still shorter than series one and two. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Um, right. Yeah. So they, I think they they contributed in giving the story and this episode a little bit of a positive spin at the end because we did mm. we said a few times now how dark the story is and whatnot. But I think the character progression for those two, and especially at the end when they're off. You know, I think that's a good. That, that was a really good wrap up. And if it was the last torch we'd ever seen, that would have been a nice ending for them too. Yeah, I, I think it's a good ending actually, and I'm. I think I appreciate it more now than I did at the time. I felt. I think I felt at the time, like, oh, okay, like that's that. But I feel you know, it was that where this torch would go from here. Whereas watching it again last night, if that had have been the end of Torchwood, I think it, it's a good place to put a pin in it because. You know, you've sort of lost most of Torchwood. <laughs> you know, Owen and, and Tosh, now Yanto, and also the woman that was in the first episode who does get a name check, and I've forgotten her name. Uh, she gets a mention. Um, and Jack's gone off to do whatever Jack's going to do, and Reese and Gwen are going off to start a family and that they seem in a good place in it. So it's it's a good place to put a pin in it. So if there hadn't have been any more Torchwood... I think it would have been. It's a great series to go out on. It leaves you wanting more, and um, and I think it's a good ending. Really, it's a, it's a slightly bleak ending, but it's a it's not a depressing ending. It's a, it's a sort of a. I I can't think of any other way to say it. It's a Torchwood ending, isn't it? Like Torchwood has <laughs> always had this slightly glass half empty feel to it. Yeah, you know, in the yeah. sense that it it's not all light and 
fun. It's not Doctor Who. It's an adult Doctor Who where things don't all people don't always survive, and uh, it's a more dangerous sort of world. And so it feels like the right ending for Torchwood in a way. In yeah, that sense, I think so. Yeah, I think so, dude. Mm. Right. Anything else on your notes, buddy? No, not really. No, I think I've pretty much covered it. Okay. Um, right. Let's go on to scores then. I don't have I got anything. Oh, the music was very cool. There was a, a good, um, a really good combination of this is Ben Foster again. A really good combination of like the emotional stuff, especially the scene where where Jack is sacrificing Stephen towards the end. That was a really mm. big build up of emotional music. That was very cool. Uh, so yeah, another good one. I've, I've really liked Ben Foster's music throughout this series. It's been, it's been really good. Um, like I, I don't want to make a comparison with with Murray Gold's music if they decided to hire Murray for it. I'm sure that would have been equally as good. But I think he's just done a really good job of not having to rely on Murray Gold. Put it that way. I think it's it's been really cool. Yeah, no, the music was was good. Now I thought, yeah, th- all the way through. Yeah. Okay, dokie. Scores. I think it's. You to go first. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to give this a solid eight, and I think that's pretty much what I've rated every episode of this series so far. So the, the series as a whole is a, is an eight out of ten. And um, and just to sort of quickly recap, I, I think it's been a brilliant series. Mm-hmm. I think you hit hit the nail on the head. It's it's peak Torchwood. Every every cast member is firing on all cylinders. It's um, it's been a really good series to to revisit, and uh, and I'm glad about that because I liked it at the time. Sometimes when you go back and watch things, especially when you sort of think you know the outcome and stuff, you think it might not stand up as well as you remembered it. This has actually been better, if anything. Um, mm. And I think we mentioned it probably on day one or three. I don't know. We said it was like real classic sci-fi television. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's great sci-fi. And, uh, yeah, just a brilliant series. So, yeah, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, okay. I'm going to give this an 8.5, slightly higher than you. Okay. And um, the reason for that is because it's a really solid, mature, not mature as in old, but mature as in <laughs> in a good way. A really, mm. really good, solid watch. So, although it is bleak in quite a few places and it's dark, I think that was just Russell really sticking to his guns with that and not having a big old happily ever after aren't we amazing for stopping the aliens and you know, I, I think that would have done a disservice to the the rest of the story prior to this episode so i'm much respect to him for that and uh and yeah the performances were really good as well love the performances throughout this one do you, and i do feel and I, I think you'll probably agree with me that i do feel that he trod the line between dark and like Although it left has, has left an overall impression on me, I haven't come away from it feeling really depressed or, oh God, what a downer of a series. It's it's left a positive sort of um, view in my mind of the series as a whole, even though it was dark. So I think they've managed to tread that line really well between doing a a good, like you said, adult dark series, but without being overly depressing or bleak do you know what i mean like some mm. series you just sort of come out of it thinking god that was you know <laughs> you come away just never wanting to watch it again because it's like once was enough even if you enjoyed it i can't watch that again whereas with torch children of earth i think i would happily watch this all the way through again even knowing what i know is coming it was yeah, you know it's, it's trod a good line isn't it between same, yeah. being grown up yeah yes indeedy 
And okay, so that's well, we're at the end of of uh, Children of Earth. Mm, that was day series. five, and eight from him, and eight point five from me. What did our listeners think? Mm. So over on Twitter, we had uh, Doctor Who Home says it's weird. You'd expect it to not stick the landing, but it does. Extremely gripping, tense, exciting. Uh, heartbreaking and some damn good torchwood. Jack's sacrifice is horrific, but at the same time adds some weight to the climax. Eight out of ten. Poor Frobisher. Yeah. Poor Frobisher. Will Sanger says a fantastic conclusion to a great five-part story. You wouldn't expect things to get more tragic. Uh, everything from Frobisher's fate, the ending is just harrowing drama. The motives of the four, five, six also show the disturbing potential of, of adult sci-fi. Overall, I'd give it a nine out of ten. Mm. Uh, Sam Dooley says greatest episode of the entire show perfectly paced conclusion with dynamic cinematography excellent performances and beautiful music to choose a standout moment would be a crime when the entire episode from beginning to end is perfect a 10 out of 10 10 okay and Chippy T says thought the first 30 minutes were a bit slow the last 30 minutes a lot better the sacrifice was horrific but the ease mm-hmm. of the defeat of the 456 didn't catch for me. Basically reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. It was a bit of an easy fix. I'll yeah. give it that. Yeah. yeah. Overall, it's uh, overall a success, but that last episode is always tricky. Eight for me and 8.5 for the series. Mm, okay. And over on Facebook, we have Tim Allen, who's left a really long review, so I won't read all of it. Basically says, I was never a big fan of Torchwood. I thought it was often silly ill-judged and rather juvenile in its attempt to be all grown up and provocative but then came children of earth i was intrigued by the idea of the show promoted from the backwaters of bbc3 all the way to the promised land of primetime bbc1 uh, and stripped over a single stripped over a single week uh, and what a revelation it was and then goes on to say um uh, the follow-up was miracle day and spoilers that was rubbish Uh, Children of Earth though was most definitely not I'd give it a 9 out of 10 and would probably give it a 10 had it not been for the misjudged climax so a really good score from Tim a 9 out Mm. of 10 Uh, and um, yeah his next comment is I'm not sure that counts as a mini review but yeah thank you very much Tim and then Joseph Howarth says this has been a clear roller coaster ride for Torchwood it's bleak dark yet it's the best thing the show has ever done and again it clearly shows it's a it's that good of a five-part special. So much drama, great performances, and the ending was a real tearjerker. Highly recommended anyone who wants to watch a great piece of work for this show. A nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Wow, okay. Some strong scores there, dude. Yeah, from our listeners. definitely. Yeah. Yep. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm going to confirm now, I think that is the best that Torchwood's ever been for us, dude. So we'll see how Miracle Day goes, but from memory, I don't think it's as strong. I, I said to you earlier i can't even remember if i finished watching it which doesn't bode well and what a shame <laughs> after such a strong series um but you never know maybe we'll view it through different eyes uh, let's see we will be moving on to it um fairly soon uh, we've got it on the schedule haven't we so we'll we'll definitely move on to miracle day yes. and see how that yeah. fares out but i'm sort of dreading it and excited at the same time yeah definitely yeah but, same dude. yeah yeah same yeah okie dokie then mate so what have we got next week for review then Next week's bit of fourth doctor uh, storytelling. <laughs> We're going down pit with the creature from pit. <laughs> <laughs> We're off down to pit. We're off down to pit. To see creature from see pit. See that creature. <laughs> creature from the pit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think we've. Uh, hmm, when's the last time we did any Tom? I don't think we've done any Tom this year at all so far. Have we not? No. So the first Tom story. Creature wow, from the pit. Okay. And on that revelation. 
I think we'll we'll end it there for three, four, six. Alrighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this week's Big Blue Box podcast. That was episode 346. It was great to have you here. New time, new time as newcomers to the episode and to the Big Blue Box. It's great to have you. And uh, long-time listeners, the old Grizzled Ancient, it's great to have you back, of course, listening to us waffle on about Doctor Who. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, make sure you uh, you follow and subscribe to the to the podcast. You can do that in your fave podcast app. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on there. A new show drops every single Friday. And uh, if, you, uh, if you want to listen in your browser, if you're at work or you're in front of a computer whatever just head over to bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all the episodes for free there as well plus you can check out the reviews and articles from the writing team we're on the socials too Instagram, Twitter and Facebook links are on the website or do a search for us we chat Doctor Who throughout the week so come and get involved there and we have a free Discord server and you can hop in there and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans and uh, if you're using something like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or you're on podchaser.com something like that if you want to leave us a review if you like the show and you want to tell us your thoughts and give us a rating that'd be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads also check out Adam's channel over on YouTube as I've said don't forget to go and check that out it is of course the Geek's Handbag yeah the Geek's Handbag also on all the socials apart from TikTok obviously so Twitter and uh, Insta love a bit of Insta he's everywhere and Facebook for those of you that still use it he's everywhere so go and check him out get a cup of tea get comfy and check out Adam's vids all good stuff over there until next week my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember it's